Welcome back, everyone, to episode two of Tar Heel State of Mind podcast. I'm joined again this week by Bradley and Nick. Thank you if you are back this week and if you're listening for your first time. We really appreciate you being here. So we're just three friends that want to talk about Carolina sports with a specific focus on basketball, but we'll also cover some other sports as well. We'll go ahead and we'll start with a recap from last week. We talked a little bit about the start of the season for Carolina basketball, uh, some of the performances we went through, and we all agreed to end the last episode that Georgia Tech was a must-win game for the Heels. Uh, they came into the game uh, 0-1 in the ACC on a four-game losing streak, and fortunately they did come through with a win, so we're going to talk a little bit about that win today. Okay, so uh, Georgia Tech was 6-3. and We were coming to this game 5-4, and like you said, Nathan, on that four-game losing streak. Uh, we dropped games to uh, Iowa State uh, out in Portland. We dropped that four-overtime game to Alabama at Indiana, got smacked there. Uh, really didn't play well at Indiana, but that was kind of expected. I think they're, they're a very good team. Uh, and Jackson Davis, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, he's a really, really good player, uh, created some problems for us. Uh, and then at Virginia Tech, also a tough place to play at Castle, and without Armando, we just really didn't have the inside presence we needed to to win that game. Uh, but Georgia Tech, you know, they they came into this game off a good win to Georgia, uh, who's a decent team. And um, we knew that after losing four straight, we needed to get this win. So I, I really appreciated the guys going out there and playing playing good basketball. Uh, saw a lot better ball movement ball movement this game, uh, which was really lacking in the in the losses. You know, we saw. We just struggled offensively, couldn't get good shots up. Uh, everything was rushed at the end of the shot clock, and, and that was a result of not moving the ball well. Um, so I appreciate that we moved the ball better this game. Um, I want to piggyback off some of that stuff, Bradley. Um, so basically, I think this was a, like we said before, a must win. Um, we could not afford to lose another one. We're back at home after having three weeks away from home. Um some of the stats I kind of pulled up were um, while if we win when we win our games we're shooting about forty eight percent from the field thirty five percent from three and we have a plus five rebounding margin. Um, with these losses, we've been shooting about forty one percent from the field, twenty four percent from three, and we are at a negative three rebounding margin. Um, this is one thing where I think you know we missed Baycott in the Virginia Tech game, so that was tough. Um, Baycott was taken had you know had a had a torn up shoulder in the Indiana game. Um, I feel like this was a good confidence boost too for us as well. Um, it, like I said, it was a must win. I feel like we had to come in and, you know, start off strong, have a good, you know, get, get, get a couple good baskets for the first TV timeout. Um, this was kind of one of those like make or break games where like the boys on the team need to see the con- like see the shots go in. They need to have a good shooting night. They need to have the ball moved around. They need to have some easy dunks from Baycott. And I feel like we kind of got most of those things throughout the game. So just wanted to touch on a couple of those things. Yeah, I think that you're right. And I also want to touch on the flow of the game a little bit. So when the game first started, we got couple four, six, seven-point leads, and Georgia Tech would whittle away. And I think with about four minutes left in the first half, it was a tie game, uh, went to a TV timeout, came back with uh, just under four minutes left, and we went on a run. We went on an 11-0 run, had a really nice defensive possession to end the half, and we fed off of that coming into the second half and played really well. Something that stuck out to me is that it seemed like Hubert trusted his bench a lot more than he has in previous games. Uh, 
uh, I am really high on South Trimble. So Trimble came in. He plays hard on ball defense. And the thing that I love about Trimble is he is looking for the pass first before he's looking for the shot. And I really think that this 2022-2023 team needs a player like that on the court. Uh, There's a lot of dudes that are really good at creating their own offense. There's other guys that uh, maybe aren't so good at creating their own offense. But Seth Trimble's on the court looking to help other guys create their offense. So I was really impressed with Seth. Uh, I thought he gave a great effort. Also glad to see that Tyler Nickel could get back on the floor. Thought that he had a couple key moments there for us. Um, And We'll touch on this maybe a little bit later, but really happy to see Jalen Washington get his first minutes for the heels. So let's talk a little bit about that second half, and uh, I will pass it off to one of you. Um, second half was good. I think we went into halftime, what, up 30, 39-26, I think? Was that the score? Or up 11? It was up 11? Okay. So we were up – I think we were, that was when we hit our 11-0 run to end the half, which was really nice. Um, you know, they crawled back into the game. We went in with some – with some uh, wind in our sails and then came out, hit a couple of good shots. Um, I don't think we're really struggling on the defensive end. I think our defense is solid. I think at times we have struggles with, you know, moving the ball still. Um, now, I don't know if this was just a lack of pressure from Georgia Tech, but I felt like Pete got into his rhythm a little bit. Baycott got a couple of really good dunks um, at the beginning of the second half and even the first half. I mean, I think he ended with 20, 23, 21 and 13. Um, I thought he did great. RJ had the best game, I think, for me of the season. He had 22 and 10. Um, he shot really well. Um, Caleb didn't do that bad either. I mean, RJ and Caleb were averaging 19 and 15 apiece. Um, I think Caleb's shot selection in the second half was a little better than the first. In the first half, I felt like he was still doing those sidestep three-pointers, um, in my opinion, trying to trying to make something out of nothing. But, you know, in the second half, he got the ball stepping into some threes. And he hit two. He had like a couple of them. He had a couple of good drives, and I felt like that was a good um, that was a good thing for him to see the ball go through the hoop. Um, one thing I saw is like Caleb with his shooting struggles. I feel like he hesitates now more when he has open shots, and we still need Caleb to shoot the ball. We just need him to shoot the ball like more take no when to shoot the ball and when to like pass off and try and get a better shot because when he's t- he's he had a couple plays in the first half where he had one where he had a travel he was wide open there was no one within 10 feet of him and he hesitated and it turned into a travel and i think those plays are, i think sometimes he gets a little bit in his head where he doesn't want to shoot these open shots because he's shooting at a lower percentage right now but he still has to shoot no matter what because everyone's seen caleb love when he can shoot it's going to help us out a lot so I feel like he just needs to build that confidence back up, and I think he did that in the second half for sure. I freaking love R.J. Davis, man. I was high on him at the beginning of the season because I know what he can do. I know what he's capable of. I think he's, you know, he's not as much of a dog as Joel Berry was, but my man's he's turning into a dog like Joel Berry was. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but he had those two um, offensive rebounds on the same possession. He was in there battling with guys that were like 6'10", 6'11", and he's like six foot even on a good day. So I appreciate RJ. I appreciate what he brings to the team. Um, I love that guy. Yes. And I, want and I think he's – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I remember that play. I'll, I'll talk about that. He had three offensive rebounds in one possession. He shot, got his rebound, put it up again, got his rebound, put it up again. And I think he got fouled or something like that. But he had like two shots and three offensive rebounds at one time. And I was like, he's the smallest guy on the court. Like they, He's listed at six foot. He's, he's every bit of 5'10". 
Like he is not he is the smallest guy on the court by a long shot, and I just felt like he just played very, very well. And that is the RJ that if we have every single night and Caleb starts in his shots, we're gonna be a very big problem later on. Yeah, so like I said, I love RJ. I love our guards. I think Caleb has to get more consistent. He's you know, the first nine games of the season, he was um forcing a lot of things force like all the three i think his three point percentage is in the teens right now just because he's forcing so many shots but this game he got a lot of open looks um i think he took six threes he made one of them one was a step back air ball the rest of them he stepped into all five of those shots and hit one so when you're getting wide open looks at the college level and he's a junior at this point you gotta knock down those shots i mean those are those are layups at this point in his career so there's one player that I want to touch on, and it's Leaky. So I think that we can honestly say the three of us, we're a Leaky fan club. We respect what Leaky brings to the court. Uh, we understand how important Leaky is on defense, but I do think that it is going to be a little bit of a problem when Leaky plays 35 minutes and gives you 1.0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 1 from the three-point line. I remember a lot of specific plays where the offense was flowing through four other players while Leaky stood in the corner uh i don't know exactly how you solve that problem uh i know that he's not the most proficient scorer on the team and i know that he has a harder time creating his own shot but he's gonna have to have the confidence to take that corner three when the ball comes out to him to at least make them respect it because it is really hard to run an offense when you just have one player that gets buried in the same corner the entire shot clock and it's every possession it's not just uh infrequently happening it's happening a lot so I don't know what Hubert needs to do. Uh, not the expert there, but I do think that Hubert is going to have to scheme up for a guy playing 35 minutes a game to get more involved in the offense and to be more of a part of the game plan going forward because I do think that that makes it more difficult for the rest of our guys to get some open shots. Uh, another thing that surprised me a little bit that I'm not uh, upset about is Pete Nance only shot the ball four times. He was efficient, three or four from the field, had 11 points. So what Pete Nance has shown me in that game is that he's okay when we need him to score 20 points and put shots up and he's also okay when other guys get hot he's not going to force things uh and I really think that we need players like that I'm really impressed by that stat line even though he only shot four times and had 11 points so really happy with that game with Pete and uh to echo what you guys said RJ's a beast I am that man was fighting for rebounds that he did not deserve to get and he took them anyways and uh hats off to RJ Davis if he's going to play like that then I am perfectly cool with Bradley comparing him to Joel Berry, which I have gotten on Bradley about that in the past. Yeah, I want to talk about Leaky too because I, I, I 100% agree with you. Leaky needs to be a weapon on both sides of the floor, and if he can't shoot the ball, I mean, he's not. He, he hasn't shown to us in the last four years that he's a shooter, and, and that's okay. But he's six nine. He's athletic. He should be able to drive on these guards that are guarding him, or the bigger forwards that are guarding him, and take it to the basket. Uh, when you're a six nine athletic guy, I don't understand um and, and pete nance like you said nathan i think he had a great game he, he can put up points without shooting a lot of shots uh i think he had 28 points on 13 shots against portland um so he's shown that he can be proficient on the offensive end i think he needs to hone down a little bit on the defensive end uh but besides that he's been a he's been a great player for us i think yeah, I remember one play for Leakey where he had a fast break and there was one guy on him and I'm he was probably like 6'3". Mm, and Leakey laid the ball up 
He was by himself on a fast break. Laid the ball up, and this got slung back to half court. Swatted it, man. He got swatted. Like, threw it. It it didn't even hit the ground until it hit the center circle. And, like, for things like that, and I'm not saying Leakey needs to score 15 points a game. He can average six points a game or eight points a game, and he can hit them all in, like, two minutes and just play defense the rest of the time. But if if he is just a viable threat, then that will help open the floor up so much more. For the paint to Caleb, um, he's leading the ACC even with a sh- in a, even in a shooting slump in points. So I mean, we can he's he's having a slump, but I mean I don't know. I just feel like the numbers don't lie. If he even in the slump, I mean he, if he's leading the ACC, if he even starts hitting ten percent more of his three pointers, like we're gonna be we're gonna be sitting pretty pretty good. So I think in previous years, uh, especially under Roy, that our defense. Uh, we didn't we didn't play really great defense. We played okay defense, but I think our players have been, just been so athletic and they were so um, I guess in shape that they, they would just run people to death. We'd put a hundred put up a hundred points a game and have no no trouble just beating people. But um, I feel like this team is really really good in the half court uh, defensively, and I love that because we can we can shut people down and keep them from getting easy baskets. But what I will say is yes, our half court defense is great, but we give up a lot of open threes. And in today's game, three pointers are almost layups when they're wide open. Cause these guys can shoot the ball. You know um, I think if we play a better shooting team, which we have previously, it's going to show up in the box score and it's going to hurt us in the long run. So I think Keeping the shooters honest, get a, getting a hand in their face, not letting them get them get easy looks off of screens, it's gonna it's gonna be better for us because you know teams are shooting 33s a game these um, in this day and age of basketball, especially college basketball. So we need to do a better job of that on the defensive end. Yeah, and I was actually about to bring that up a little bit because I think you're exactly right. And I want to do two things. So I want to do a second of praise, and I'm going to praise them because I think for the first time uh, in four games, I saw Carolina basketball. So we out-rebounded Georgia Tech 43-22. to That's Carolina basketball. We had some rim runs. We had some transition points. That's Carolina basketball. It was nice to see some Carolina basketball. Uh, really happy to see that. However, I think that I'm going to kind of piggyback on Bradley here and say that our defense was superficially good. I think that there were some things with our defense you can say looked good, but I also think we were aided in the fact that Georgia Tech missed a lot of open threes. Uh, They hit nine. They shot 26. Of those what is that, 17 that they missed, I bet eight or nine of them were wide open shots that we had collapsed on a drive, we had lost our man, I saw Caleb get lost a few times, unfortunately, I think one time was a screen where Armando tried to follow over top of the screen, and Caleb was kind of just running behind Armando, uh, gave up an open three there, so I I think it's going to look good that our defense gave up 59 points, uh, but when you watch the game, I think that this game could have been a lot closer than it needed to be if Georgia Tech had some of those open shots so we have to continue to improve we're you got to guard the three-point line we, we talked about it last episode in 2022 teams are going to hit threes they're going to have six guys on their roster that can come in and bang out threes so we've got to guard the three-point line I, I am encouraged though that I did see Carolina basketball rebounds fast break points that makes me happy so uh, it's a good building block and I hope that we keep taking steps forward on those things I agree with you um, I felt like we saw probably what I saw 
there was a good 10 minute span where like we were just pretty much doing whatever we wanted to. We were running the offense. We were sharing the ball. We were getting easy dunks. We were getting layups. We were getting fast break points. Um, I think if we can see more of that on a consistent basis, I don't feel like we will have any problem climbing back up in the rankings and giving some of these you know teams a good fight. Um, I still fully expect us to be on top of the ACC at the end of the at the end of the season. Um, I don't think there's. I think Armando's going to get back into his groove. Caleb, the the slump is going to end eventually. Like it's going to end eventually. So like it's really just a matter of when, not if. Caleb starts knocking down these threes and when he starts knocking these down they're gonna have to respect him rj gets open threes if puff can start being a threat if leaky gets six or eight points like it's gonna be tough to not have someone have a stellar night every single night especially if with when pete can rattle off 28 on 13 shots if he wants to so anyone on the team is a potential threat and you know if jalen washington gets in the rotation you know his turnaround jumper was pretty smooth for first two points of his Carolina career so I mean if he can if he can add to that and give us you know Baycott 10 10 good minutes so he can get some rest I mean I think that I mean that all, it's only going to make us more dangerous in the long run so I felt like it was really it was a really solid game yeah Nick and I want to piggyback on something that you just said about Jalen Washington I'll go ahead and go with Jalen Washington real quick if that's cool uh so the thing that I loved about Jalen Washington getting his two points I loved him playing and all of that But the best part about that was how the team reacted to him coming in the game. Those guys, every single other of the four players on the court, were going to get him that basketball to get his shot up. And that gives me, uh, I think that puts to rest some of the, I guess, anxiety I had that we had guys out there trying to get their own. And it was good to see them say, this is Jalen Washington's first game. He had the ACL tear. Road to recovery was long. We got to get our boy a shot, and we got to get him one in the hoop. And I was really just thrilled to see that from the team, from the rest of the guys. When he scored, they hyped him up. Uh, We kind of talked about that a little bit last week, how Dunn had a block or something good happened, and the team wasn't really hyped up around him. And we were thinking, what is going on? This is a hype play. So it's good to see the boys get get Jalen up a bucket, get hype around him, and uh, I think that's good for team chemistry and things like that. I think it's a simple thing, but it kind of goes a long way. For sure. Um, I, I love that, they, that he finally got his his minutes in his Carolina, because I think he's been out of the game for like a year and a half, a good year and a half. He hasn't played basketball since his junior season um, in high school, so really appreciate him. I think he's going to be big for us down the stretch as we're coming into ACC play. And I think that, yeah, I agree, Nick. He can give Baycott and Nance, uh, you know, 10 to 12 minutes off the bench, um, get some of those bench minutes up. And I want to talk about that just for a second. I think our bench played a little bit more this game. Uh, Trimble played 15 minutes. Puff Johnson played 12 minutes. Uh, Puff didn't shoot, but one time I think he got an offensive rebound and a putback. And Seth shot five times, only hit one. So I think that um, as – as Seth gets more used to the college game and the college pace, I think I think his looks will start following because I don't think he's a bad shooter. Um, I, I think he could work on his jump shot and his three point shot, but I don't think he's a bad shooter. And and I think he's he's really athletic and can finish around the rim. So the more he plays, uh, the more we'll, we'll be able to see that. So um, and and speaking of Trimble, man, that guy is so good on defense, and he's so quick. He slides his feet faster than any guard that I've ever watched play defense in Carolina. Um, so I pr- really appreciate what he brings. And I think there was a um, there was a defensive play where we got a 
there was somebody had knocked the ball away and it, the ball ended up at half court and he was there in a second man and he went out for a, a run up runaway a layup attempt got fouled and went to the free throw line but uh really appreciate what he does on the on the defensive end but looking at our minutes uh baycott played 34 pete played 31 leaky and rj played 35 and caleb played 31 minutes so i would like to see those numbers trend down and and hopefully they will uh, with with nickel showing that he can play and puff showing that he can play Trimble and Jalen Washington. So, and, and as Dunn gets healthy again in the next few weeks, I would like to see our stars, you know, hover around 28 to 30 minutes a game and our bench can, can contribute a little bit more that way. All right. Last thing I'm going to talk about was I'm just going to hit the high notes again. Um, Baycott hit another double, double 21 and 13 RJ ended up with his double, double 22 and 10, which, I mean, that's fantastic. I think Pete had a couple rebounds, too. One thing – actually, this puts me into a segue. One other thing is R.J. Davis cannot be out-rebounding re- out Pete Nance. I agree, yeah. Pete Pete needs to get the boards. Pete Nance is 6'11". R.J. is like 5'10". Like, Pete Nance cannot be cannot be out-rebounded by R.J. Now, I understand R.J., some of these rebounds bounce to him. Like, that, you know, three or four of them, they like, kind of came straight to him. But R.J.'s in the paint fighting with these – with these guys for rebounds and he's getting them pizza seven footer. He should be getting these just, just as easily, if not easier, actually he should be getting them easier than RJ should. Um, anyway, that's a segue into something else, but Pete's got a little of that Euro player in him. He's a finesse guy. So yeah, you know, Armando's a dog in the paint. Sometimes Pete's just gonna have to be a dog and get in there and fight for some boards. Yeah. Um, last thing for Baycott, he hit 1101 rebounds in this game. I think the only two people ahead of him are Sam Perkins and Tyler Hansborough for the most rebounds. Is it in, it's in North Carolina history correct you are correct it's north carolina history uh and then the season 348 defensive rebounds is the third most ever in a season for armando but yeah you're right north carolina history yep and then so i think sam uh sam perkins is sam perkins is second hansborough had 1219 that's where he's at for so he's got like 118 left which i mean by this average he'll have it in about 13 games 10 or i mean you know 11 12 13 games um and then I did just learn a fun fact a little while ago. Baycott has averaged a double-double in 50% of all of his games at UNC. I will say our assists were better this game. We had 15 assists on 27 field goals up from up from however um, how many it was. We averaged, what, in the Alabama game, it was like five per half, so 15 in 60 minutes. It which was is, 15 you know, for 60 minutes of basketball. It was brutal. Yeah, so – that was good. Um, I know we've we've talked good things about RJ and Caleb, um, and Caleb, you're you're right. He is in a shooting slump, but we they we had 11 turnovers as a team, and Caleb had four. RJ had four. So our two starting guards, who are juniors, both had eight turnovers together. Uh, so I think that's something they need to work on. A lot of their turnovers, if you rewatch the game, they're just they're just they're freshman mistakes. Uh, so we we don't need to get see that from them. Well, I'd love to see them limit those. And Hubert had talked in an interview this past week about uh, doing some more defensive things that they did in the Virginia Tech game when they were making that second half comeback attempt, uh, some half-court traps, a little bit more pressure on the ball. And we didn't really see that. Uh, so I would love to see that in the games moving forward just because that can lead out to um, to, to turning for – forcing turnovers and then leading uh, into easy buckets for us. You know, the two 
probably the two easiest ways to score in basketball is layups now fast breaks and free throws so and and forcing turnovers leads to both of those so i think if we see if we can you know force more turnovers on that half court trap i think we have the length with leaky and puff and caleb to force those turnovers um around half court it would lead for, to good things for us so i'd like to see that um yeah, I think we we don't really have anything else to mention about basketball uh, or men's basketball. We can jump into a little bit of football if we want to. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate Bradley. So just to wrap up basketball, uh, have the Citadel on Tuesday. I think we really need a game where we just smack a team. I thought that that game would be Gardner-Webb. I uh, kind of figured James Madison would be a little bit of a high-scoring game. But I really want us to have a game where we just beat a team 100-50. to 50. Uh, We have a fluid offense. Everything looks good. We get open shots. And I think that that's a good game for that because then we kind of feed into that uh, ranked game with Ohio State, who's ranked 25th right now. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll still be 25th. 25th after today because I know they redo the rankings. I don't know if they won or lost this week, but that's a really good game for us to get a quad one win. So smack Citadel and then let's go and uh, get something from Ohio State. Uh, to echo Bradley, I'm ready to talk about football. So I'm a big football fan. I grew up on Carolina football going to season games. When I went to UNC in 2011, I had a lot of friends and people I met at the university that were on the football team. A couple guys from my high school played football there. So I just love Carolina football. Uh, and I want to start, uh, we'll just do a quick rundown not too long uh expectations coming into the season i thought that we would probably be a six and six or seven and five team we lost sam howell best quarterback that carolina had ever had i'll fight anyone on that sam was a dog dude was just as tough as they come and we were transitioning into drake may we knew he was a good recruit flipped from a bama but we didn't know drake would be what he was at all and before the season started, I just can't imagine anyone thought that Drake would put up the numbers he did. So I was thinking six and six in a bowl game, seven and five in a bowl game, and playing good games. Uh, so we started nine and one. We played. Uh, I, I joked a lot that there were. I probably five or six plays that if the ball bounced differently, uh, we would have been a two-win team, and we were nine and one, and we got whooped by Notre Dame. Notre Dame ran the ball down our throats. Drake still had five touchdowns. Uh, we absolutely obliterated Pitt, who was a top 20 defense. We smoked them. Uh, really impressed by that game. And then we come into the Georgia Tech game, and the season gets a little weird. So we come into Georgia Tech, we're 9-1, and one, and go up 17-0 at halftime. And everything looks good. And then in the second half, the offense completely stagnates. Uh, Pitt scores 21 points, and we just can't answer. And our defense kind of started to give up some big get. Georgia Tech, yep, my bad. Georgia Tech uh, starts to gash us a little bit. Defense gets gassed, and we lose to Georgia Tech, uh, which then leads us into our uh, not-rivalry game against State, and we play against State. I'm just <laughs> kidding. That. If either of you guys want to if you guys want to <laughs> cut me off and say that it is a rivalry game, but whatever. I hate State. Uh, so we play against you. State, and we play well i think because state does have a good defense their linebacking core is by far the best in the acc one of the best in the nation their secondary is pretty good their defensive line is solid uh it's a good defense but 
as per usual, our defense gets smoked by a fourth-string quarterback, and our field goal kicker comes out in double overtime and misses a 35-yard field goal, and we lose to State. Uh, At that point, I was kind of sad about the season, even though realistically i never thought we'd be in the position to be nine and three at the end of the year but uh when you're nine and one and then you lose back-to-back georgia tech and state it kind of takes some wind out of the sails uh so we go into the acc championship uh got to go to that in person with nick uh unfortunately we bought tickets on the clemson sideline and did not realize that so uh nick you want to talk a little bit about did you enjoy the acc championship i know football is not as much your thing but what do you think about the acc championship it was fun. It was nice to see everyone. Um, game game made me a little upset, but, you know, it was nice to see everyone. No, it was good. Um, <clears throat> you know, we got there, and they scored. We got down the field and scored in, what, two two minutes? Yeah, three Drake minutes? had I a mean, rushing touchdown right we, off the bat. And see, I thought <clears throat> from the previous games, I think he hadn't thrown a touchdown in what? He threw one against State, but didn't throw one against Georgia Tech, didn't throw one against Clemson. Um, but I thought that was going to be like his little like turnover, like his little, his little switch to get him started. Cause you know, I was, I remember the Wake Forest game when he, he threw for 517 yards with five touchdowns or something like that. He threw for five with 500. Yeah. And it it was mainly in the first half. So the second half of the Wake Forest game is when our offense started kind of, uh, our offense broke down a little bit starting in the second half of the Wake game. Yeah. No, I mean, it was it was a great environment. I mean, I definitely thought it was going to be a shootout the way that happened because North Carolina scored. Um, we had the ball for, what, 30? We had it for, let's see, 38 minutes, oh, I we, think. The score of the Clemson game did not no, reflect we, how much we had the ball. We had the ball for 10 minutes more. We had the same amount of yards. We had a little bit less rushing, but I think, what, one less yard, total yard? Uh, uh, we drove them? the ball on them all day. So in football, you kind of talk about – score the uh, red zone. Exactly. Yeah, nope, so between the 20s, we did what we wanted. Uh, we got into the red zone pretty easily, uh, had some nice designs and concepts, and then uh, I'm not as much of a Phil Longo, I guess hater is the word, as a lot of other football fans for UNC, but I don't know what happened to him starting in the Georgia Tech game. That man forgot how to call plays in the red zone again, which has been a criticism of his in the past, and it's a fair criticism, but we got into the red zone, and... Drake threw a couple bad balls, uh, got picked off, pick six in the red zone. Uh, we fumbled because, for some reason, I'm sorry, that was not in the red zone. When we fumbled, we were on our own 20 because, for some reason, it was time for Omarion Hampton to make his first appearance in three games, and he came in, and the mesh didn't work with Drake, and he fumbled. But, yeah, we moved the ball on Clemson's defense. Their defensive line is nasty. I mean, they have two first-round NFL picks on their defensive line. And I thought our offense looked okay. I remember there was a moment when DJ threw his first two passes where I grinned ear to ear. I about ripped my face open. I was so happy because those passes were so bad. I looked at Nick and I looked over at my other buddy, Luke, and I said, okay, we might win this game. And then unfortunately, Debo pulls out DJ and ruins my hopes and dreams. But I don't know, man. Listen, we made a ball game. We've had a good season. The one thing that killed me, though, we left 39 points on the board. 39. We scored a field goal. We went to the red. We scored the first touchdown. We went to the red zone seven more times and we scored one field goal. That's all we got. That's all we got. 
Yeah, that's yeah, right, I mean, man. You when, you, when, when you when you get the ball, you know, inside the twenty, you you've got to be able to punch it in. And I think one of our problems all season was not having a consistent running back that could that that could make those big pushes for us. Because <clears throat> when you wouldn't get down in the twenty, it's harder to make uh, for us, anyways. It seems like it's hard to to get a pass off. Um, so not having that big back to to kind of push you in, and not having that reliable back to to be able to to run the ball in those situations kind of hurt us all year. Um, I know. We have talented running backs. It's just that, that I guess I- we have a really weird situation in the running back room. So British Brooks came on at the end of last year. Dude was an absolute animal the last few games of the year. Comes into the year, says he's coming back to Carolina uh, as a grad grad player, and tears his ACL. Dude never even steps on the field. Unfortunate. Uh, we had two really highly rated uh, recruits, uh, Omarion Hampton and uh, George Petaway, both four stars. They were kind of raw, true freshmen. And then we had uh, Caleb Hood, who was there last year, but played some linebacker in high school, not a true running back. So, yeah, that that position group, we ended up with uh, Eli Green, who's a beast. He came on at the end of the year. But coming into the year, if you look at the depth chart, he was fifth or sixth and ended up being our starting running back. So, yeah, that, that's definitely a position group that was a little interesting this year. But uh, credit to Eli Green for stepping up and – running all over people honestly at the end of the year i can't can't complain too much about that guy but uh i'll wrap up i won't spend too long on football i could sit here for three hours and talk about football uh phil longo's gone so longo is following his uh old buddy luke fickle to wisconsin uh i'm a little bit indifferent about that i know a lot of carolina fans are uh very happy and screaming hallelujah but you get used to putting up 40 points a game, and I know the argument is he does that against bad teams but not good teams, but you know, you bring in a new offensive coordinator and all of a sudden you're scoring 21 points a game against bad teams and good teams, and you'll miss Phil Longo a little bit. But Drake is staying. He confirmed that on Twitter. I was There was about three hours between 4 and 7 p.m. when Longo left where I was about to have a stroke because I thought Drake might leave too, but Drake's Carolina through and through. I should have trusted him. I, I That was my bad, Drake. I'm sorry if you ever listen to this. I, I, I should have trusted that you would never leave UNC. He'll so, be the first one to listen to this podcast. Yeah, true, true. I'm going to send it to him. Maybe uh, Mr. Rucker can send it to him. So I, uh, I'm, I apologize, Drake. I should have trusted that you would never go anywhere. So Drake's going to be a, a preseason Heisman list and all of that. Got to make a good hire with the offensive coordinator. Absolutely have to have a good hire there. Uh, one other room that I want to talk about is the cornerback room. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but we have six or seven dudes that have entered the transfer portal. Tony Grimes, I know there's been some rubs with... Uh, I won't speculate, but Tony Grimes is gone, and Storm Duck is going to be a grad transfer. We've lost a couple of uh, high-level recruits that were coming that were corners, so something's wrong in that room. And like I said in our first episode, I'm not going to call from somebody's job in this episode or in this podcast, but somebody needs to look into what's going on in the corner room because our corners can't be as bad as they are. That's ridiculous. Uh, But yeah, so football will be fun next year. We're going to get... Uh, smacked by Oregon, I'm sure, in the Holiday Bowl. Oregon's pretty good. I don't think Bo Nix is going to opt out, so he'll play his last game in college. Do we even have a de- do we have a do we have a defense to play in that game? Because I feel, I feel like we have 12 or 13 players in the portal uh, on the defense. So Max said they could still play. He said if they're transferring, they could still play if they want to. So we don't 
I don't know who's playing yeah, and who's not there, yet, but he did say they were willing to practice and play. Though there's only two, I think, that have already said that they're not playing. Grimes being one. I can't remember the other off the top of my head, but like Nick said, a lot of the guys in the transfer portal were not in our two deep this year, which two deep means your starter and your first backup. So most of those guys were young, not in the two deep. Uh, we'll still feel pretty much the same team. Downs opted out. I get it. The dude's projected to be, uh, at worst, a second-round pick. I think he's projected in the top 40 right now. Uh Big thank you to Josh Downs for everything he's done for Carolina in the last few years. He's a GOAT, so uh, go get your money, my guy. You deserve it. But excited to see Drake play. He's so yeah. good, man. Really appreciate yeah, dude, Josh. Honestly, honestly. Josh is the closest thing we've had to Switzer since Switzer was here. So uh, just a lot of respect for him. He's he's put it on the line for Carolina for the last three years. Uh, so opt out and go make your money, Josh. You deserve it, and we'll be pulling for you in the NFL at the next level. But yeah. Uh, All right. So let's let's end on one question. Sure. Who would you like to see hired as our OC, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. All right. So that's a loaded question, and I'm not going to spend too long on this. Uh, so Lincoln Riley has a brother who is currently the offensive coordinator at TCU. Uh, I don't think that his brother is a realistic option unless we name him head coach in waiting and we offer him a super fat paycheck. I. That, that's the dream hire. I mean, the dude the dude knows what he's doing. Lincoln's a good coach. It runs in their family. Lincoln's had three Heismans in six years, and TCU's offense had a Heisman finalist with Max Duggan this year. So I would love that uh, with a little head coach and waiting designation. However, that's not going to happen. So I'll go with my realistic pick would be Seth Luttrell, and that may be a name that a lot of people remember because he ran Larry Fedora's offense when our offense was flying high with Larry Fedora back uh, in the early 2010s through about 2016 he left to go be the head coach at texas state i think i saw he went 44 and 44 had some seven and eight win seasons had a couple bad seasons but seth ran a really really nice offense at carolina with marquise williams mitch trubisky and some of those guys so my realistic pick is uh definitely latrell but that's a good question thanks nick the texas state or north texas uh, north texas texas state something the mean green they're the green team that's yeah, North, that's yeah, North, North Texas. Texas. Yeah, so North Texas coach. Uh, but yeah, uh, if we brought Seth Luttrell back, I think every Carolina fan should be happy about that, and I do believe that that's a realistic target for us. Good question, Nick. Thank you. Makes me happy to talk football. Awesome, awesome. All right, so we got through football. We're gonna do some women's soccer. I'm sure everyone knows by now who is a UNC fan that the women's soccer team fell to UCLA three to two. In the national championship last Monday, um, the UNC women's soccer team, as everyone who is a UNC fan knows, is one of the best so- one of the best women's sports teams in the history of college sports. One hundred percent. At one point in time, most of or a majority of the U.S. women's national team had made its way through Chapel Hill at some point in time to be, you know, that Mia Hamm is the biggest one that a lot of people would know, but there have been many, many more. Um, Ashley, Ashley Harris, the goalie, she's another good one. Um, so just a cu- quick little rundown. They finished their season 25-1 and one overall, 8-2 and two in the conference. They had an 800 win percentage. Um, Anson Dorrance is in here, I think, 46 seasons. How are they 25-1 overall and 8-2 in the conference? 25-1. and one. So they play a lot of uh, out-of-conference out of games, too. So they don't do as many as many conference games. I'm still confused. Twenty five and one overall. They do eight and two in the conference. They have preseason and then they 
you know, you take the ACC tournament and the. Did one of their conference games not count or something? So you do no twenty five and one twenty wins five losses one tie. Oh, oh twenty five yes. and one. Oh, yep. bro. My me bad, and Bradley don't know anything. I apologize. We I apologize. No, me and Bradley don't know anything about soccer. This is that's on us. That's on us. We know who the soccer expert is. We know who the soccer expert is in this one. All right. Yeah. So they're twenty. I was so twenty confused. wins, five losses, and one tie. Now I'm with you. Up. All right. I'm with you too. All Thank right. you. And then. So they beat FSU in the semifinals three to two, um, and then they went up three zero and actually had a scare in the last fifteen minutes where they ended up winning three to two, and then UCLA they were up two zero with fifteen minutes left, and UCLA ended up tying the game up with sixteen seconds left on the clock to send it to overtime. Um, was a very controversial call I feel like for the second goal. The goalie pretty much got battered into the back of the net while the ball was scored, um, but we will not speculate on that. Um, how, how common is that up, in soccer to score with that little time left? It's it's not very common, man. It's I mean, it's definitely it, – it, it's a heartbreaker. It is a heartbreaker for sure because they were playing their hearts out to try and make sure that they got that. But, you know so – I want to follow up real quick with a question about okay. that because I saw it in the Florida State game and the UCLA game, and it was getting on my nerves – Bro, when we went into that stupid shell against Florida State and UCLA, like that defense might as well just be called Katie Myers is going to get peppered for 15 straight minutes because our defense is booty. Is that common in soccer? Is that a good strategy? Because it didn't work. The biggest thing with soccer is like when you have a lead like that, there's no really reason to score. So you're just kind of looking at trying. Basically, it's called you're packing it in. You're putting every all 11 behind the ball. And so you're packing into the box, you're making sure you're clearing the ball out, you're sending it to the opposite corners on the opposite end of the field, and that's pretty much what you do until time runs out. Now, obviously, if you get a Why counter, not try and score and beat the hell out of people? That's so what I'm can. saying. I, yeah, put a 6-0, 7-0. But you have to think, is it worth the risk of putting sending your team up the field and then them getting a counter, and now it's 2-1? So now well, you're drained know, trying to score. I don't know, but what yeah. I do know is that the shell gave up three goals to UCLA yeah. and two <laughs> like it was the worst thing I've ever seen. But yeah, I, mean, I mean who who am I to question Anson Dorrance? That dude has forgotten yeah. more about soccer than I'll ever know. But just as a yeah. casual fan, that's what I saw. Yeah. So it was definitely a heartbreaker. They lost um in the double overtime and then UCLA, you know, shout out to them, they won. They have a really solid program out there on LA as well. So it was a heartbreaker, but just wanted to update everyone on women's soccer. I'm sure they will be back next year. Them and FSU have been in the um, in the national semifinals, finals for the last couple of years. So shout out to FSU too. I pull for any ACC school, but obviously FSU is the, the I mean UNC is the team that I will always pull for no matter I what. I feel like you need to have more. I think you need to have a more honest disclosure for that than what for why you pull for FSU than the one you just gave. Uh, you know, my fiance went to FSU as well, so. I have to, I have, I have to pull for them when they're not playing UNC. But other than that, it's all, it's you. It's I'll pull for FSU as long as they're not playing UNC. Okay, thank you but, for the disclosure. Uh, yeah. Last question for you. So, since you're pulling for FSU when they are not playing UNC, are you sad that they're one and eight to start this year in basketball and they're garbage not really, city? Because it's not, not really because it's nice for to give my brother-in-law a hard time about it. So it's not, it's not too bad. Um, I hate it for them because there are a couple of kids from Asheville where I live at that are on the team, so I won't see them do well. But they're not—they're just not doing too hot. But shout out to them—they did win. They beat—they beat Louisville. So that's what they're two and eight now instead hey, of one and eight, and then they're two and nine, whew. and Louisville's zero and nine. That's crazy. 
Oh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for those two because usually Leonard Hamilton's got a good squad down there in Tallahassee. So, Well, I appreciate the update on soccer. I will move into our women's field hockey team now because I they're our last bastion of hope this year. I, I think that we may possibly have signed a deal with the devil whenever Caleb Love buried Krzyzewski and sent him out on a Final Four loss because since then it's felt like our basketball and our football team has had a lot of unfortunate things happen to them. So our last bastion of hope was our field hockey team who won their 10th national championship this year. Huge shout out for them for continued excellence in Carolina at athletics that we are very proud of uh, i'd be remiss not to mention aaron matson so aaron matson's one of the carolina goats there's no other way to describe it uh five-time acc champion four-time ncaa champion finished third all-time in ncaa division one goals she had the goal to win the game in the national championship with i think two minutes left maybe less than two minutes left in the game this year uh just a dominant athlete that is the absolute best player on the field every time she steps on the field really proud and happy to have her represent unc so big shout out to our women's field hockey team super proud of them i also am sad because after the season karen shelton retired that's the coach of the team uh karen was there for the national championships she is I, I would assume probably the best field hockey coach in the country. She's won a lot of national championships. She's coached a lot of great players. Uh, you know, it's things like that that just make me proud to be a Tar Heel. We, we're so good at so many sports, and I love seeing stories like Aaron Matson's, Karen Shelton's, and just makes me proud to be a fan and to support all of our teams, not just fat basketball, not just football. Uh, I also really love Carolina wrestling, like I mentioned in the first episode. Uh, Austin O'Connor, national champion, coming back to be a five-time All-American this year, first five-time All-American and because of the COVID year. So I just love Carolina sports, y'all. I really do, and I'm proud of all of them. Yeah, so I'll bring up the rear here and talk about um, women's basketball. Uh, Courtney Banghart has done a stellar job of, of getting these players to buy into the program again and making us relevant. So I appreciate her and everything that she brings to the table uh, with our women's basketball team. Uh, currently, the women's basketball team is sitting at 8-1. and one. Uh, Their only loss is at Indiana, uh, which Indiana is a very good team as well. But the women's team has a, has a good core. Uh, they've got some... Um, got some girls who have been been around the program for a while they got some juniors and seniors who are who are really good deja kelly uh is a bucket she they've got uh eva hodgson who she puts on a clinic from three-point line man she's shooting 52 percent on the year so maybe caleb and rj can go watch her shooting routine and maybe maybe learn get a couple tips from her because she is uh she's she's shooting really really well so they're sitting at eight and one. Uh, last season, they went to the Sweet Sixteen. They dropped uh, South Carolina, um, which who ended up going to the Final Four, I believe. So they lost to a really good team last year. So I expect great things from them this year. I think they're a really good, really good, really talented team. And I think Cordy Bankhart is doing a really good job uh, as far as her recruiting. They've got this five-star center coming in. She's six-three, Sierra Toomey. She's like the number four player in the country, and, and she's coming to Carolina next year. So. Uh, really high hopes for Carolina this year and in the coming years for, for the women's basketball team. Yeah, I think that I'm very excited for the women's basketball team too because I've watched some of their games this year and they can shoot the rock. They need to go into the men's practice and teach some of our guys how to shoot the rock. They they bomb threes. There was 
uh, when they played Indiana, they ended up losing by 20 points or whatever, but they were hitting threes like crazy, man, and getting open looks. So I know their recruiting's doing really well, too. So I think, like you said, Coach Banghart has them on the right track, and they are going to be a problem for years to come. All right. Well, yeah, the, uh, the the Jumpman Invitational that we're going, we're, so all three of us were going to the Michigan game in a few weeks, or I guess, was that 10 days? So really excited about that. And wish, wishing that the, uh, Wishing I either got to see both men's teams play or at least got to see the the Carolina women's team play on the same night that we're going. But they've got it calculated weird where we're watching the men, uh, Carolina men's team play the Michigan Wolverines. And then uh, I think Oklahoma is playing Florida women's team after that. So uh, wish we get to see our women's team play uh, that same evening. But that's not how the, how it's going to shake out in the schedule. But excited, excited to go to that game with you guys for sure. It's going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it, too. I mean, when all else fails, we can count on the women at UNC. They're always going to hold us down for a natty, one or two a year at least. So, can't be That's upset right. with that. Our women's sports are honestly God-tier, and I love it. I love every second of it. I like supporting all of our UNC athletics. I love watching our women dominate other teams. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel boys. 100%, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go Heels. Well, all right, guys. We This is episode two of Tar Heel State of Mind. It's Nick, Nathan, and Bradley. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next week for episode number three. Peace.